Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Divided Films. I'm JJ and with me as always is my co-host Keith. Hello! And joining us back on the podcast today is our friend Madeline Cook. Welcome back, Maddie. Hi. So great to have you back here. Uh, Your first time doing it solo. uh, And so, you know, we want your own unfiltered opinion here. Uh, you don't know what you're asking for. This could get dangerous. <laughs> See, that's the fun of doing the podcast. You know, we want we want the unexpected. So by all means. Uh, so today we are discussing the 2006 family adventure comedy Night at the Museum starring Ben Stiller. Uh, this movie falls into the category of having a negative score with critics with just 43% approval. And a mixed to positive score with audiences, 67% approval. And the critics' consensus, parents might call this either a spectacle-filled adventure or a shallow and vapid CG fest, depending on whether they choose to embrace this on the same level as their kids. And sure, I think yeah, that's, that the critics reacted actually much more negatively than I thought. Because I have to admit, when I first saw this years ago in the theater with my family, I did enjoy it. But then rewatching it recently, I actually was surprised to find myself kind of bored at times. And that's so crazy to me because everything on paper about this movie should spell out a big hit and a classic. From the casting to the idea, I think it's a good idea. But I think ultimately, for me, this movie is doing a lot of outdated family comedy tropes even for 2006 and that's where it gets bogged down but we'll get into that uh but you know, maddie uh what what i mean you you this is your world the world of museums this is like your profession <laughs> so i thought you know you'd have a really interesting take on this specifically this this yeah. version of the natural history museum they're doing which is not quite what it actually is i feel like it's like a weird hybrid museum they're doing but uh, yeah, tell yeah. us your take on this. Uh-huh. So I worked at the American Museum of Natural History for five years. Um, so I got there many years after this movie was filmed, but the movie still has quite an impact on the visitors of this museum. Um, when you are working there on your first day, they often will take you around to the popular spots that are in the film because so many visitors still will come and ask Where's Dum Dum? Wow. Where's Dexter? They ask. That is a question they actually will ask staff. <laughs> so it is. Um, I know this movie intimately because of you know walking around the halls for five years and having people ask me where all of the characters are. Um, they also offer night at the museum tours. I mean, you know, the movie made made this museum quite well known. Um, not that it wasn't before, but certainly enhanced it. And. I mean, I find it, I, I, I would agree the movie is kind of boring watching it now. I probably saw it when it came out and then not until I worked there. So it, I had a large, it was not a time in my life where I really needed to watch this for many years. It clearly didn't make a huge impact on me. Right. Um, and watching it now, I would completely agree with you, JJ. The, the tropes are just like really bad. I, I find them to be very tasteless and the jokes aren't very funny. Um, I think... Ben Stiller's character is also very flawed in my perspective. It seems like his worst nightmare is to move to Queens, which is merely an outer borough of uh, of New York City. What's so um, wrong with that? That's mentioned, that's mentioned multiple times as if his whole life he will fail because he has to live in Queens. Um, and overall, I mean, yeah, I just think it kind of falls flat for me, if I'm honest. And uh, the last thing I will say is the only parts that are actually the American Museum of Natural History are the exterior shots right. if it was filmed inside so it is very weird just knowing the second they walk through the doors i don't even know where they are it's not right. it's not my museum, not the museum <laughs> I know. hashtag not my museum <laughs> yeah it's a set I, I figured they'd make it a set but at least try to replicate as much of the actual museum as they could but i mean there's so many other things that you wouldn't see in the natural history museum like dioramas of ancient rome and uh it's like what what museum is this that's like a museum of human history and natural history I, that that kind of threw me off but 
I don't know. Uh, that's I don't a, know. It was like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess I, that's, that's why I said it's a hybrid of some other museums they're throwing in they're throwing in there it's not enough just to have like animals and dinosaurs i suppose but uh <laughs> keith um what, what about you are you in the same line as this or would you have a different take uh i feel like i understand both the critics and the audience like they're both right in some way like i think this movie is some ways cute enough like i get it i think wh- how it was made it was, uh, like, if you were to told me, I think I did watch it. Like, if you were to told me, oh, you saw this on On Demand in 2006, I would have been like, oh, yeah, probably. I, I think I had a fun enough time or I enjoyed it enough. And then, like you said, JJ, as I'm watching this, I'm going, it's not that fun for adults. And there's a lot of stuff that I could see where kids could like it. But also, there's a lot of stuff that I think I kids can be bored by but it also doesn't help that i watched back to the future a month ago and i'm like oh this is a family classic and i'm like, and i can't help but see how this movie could have been a, like it just falls short of being a classic i'm like it's such a good idea it really and wants to be a classic i'll yeah, say that and, that's so crazy yeah. that you said you watched back to the future a month before this i actually watched back to the future a few days before this and you know, funny enough, it's the same composer who did the score Alan for Surbet- both movies. Or- and you know, like it's that that's why I'm saying on paper, you know, you get this musical score that makes you feel like this is such a magical experience that you're having. You have uh you know, like Ben Stiller was one of the top names in comedy at the time. You also have some veterans like Dick Van Dyke who appear who like never appeared in any movies like for like so many years before this. So you get him in there and you think, wow, this is like really a movie event. In fact, I think this is even the timing of this movie's release kind of helped too because I believe it was released around this time of year, around the holidays. I want to say somewhere around like Thanksgiving or a few weeks before Christmas. And so it has also this desi- – I feel like the movie wants to be almost like a holiday classic, like a Thanksgiving classic or something, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Uh, and that's the time I remember like – going to see this with my my family and you know it has all the makings of what you'd want in a family movie it just it's like a pretender in a way because it's it's not really bringing any other original ideas to it but again where i guess some of those tropes they're doing are things that audiences still kind of liked in fact one one audience review i saw that i thought was really funny was a guy who wrote in all caps it has a monkey urinating on a man what else do you want (laughs) like i kind of want some other things out of my movies but i guess for this guy that was enough i mean that was like such a thing in the in the 90s to have like movies with monkeys but i suppose that they would um yeah that kind of went away for a while he looks like a weirdie (laughs) it's wonderful guard terrible people skills now listen lunchbox don't try anything funny. I once went nine rounds with John L. Sullivan. You never fought John L. Sullivan in your life. Gentlemen, we have a job candidate here. He's got an excellent resume, a winning attitude, and I say, let's give him a shot. What do you say? Uh, uh, hang on a sec. I think I, I might want to have a little time just to think it over. Do you want the job or not, Snack Shack? So the setup with Ben Stiller's character, for example, I mean, he is a divorced dad with a strained relationship with his kid and how many times do we see that in the 90s that's something that we really were seeing as much anymore in the 2000s we're kind of removing away from that kind of that framework and so i just find it odd that this movie was relying on some of those older family stereotypes family comedy stereotypes that uh every every other movie was getting away from especially because the writers of this movie they're from Reno 911. They're, they were from a fairly, like, uh, you know, more modern for the time comedy team uh, for, you know, in, in television. So for them to go to do, like, an old-fashioned comedy movie would be counterintuitive to me. Yeah, it's very strange because I think that also I don't find Ben Stiller's character to be very likable. Like, I don't even think it does a good job of making him a sympathetic figure because he doesn't seem to be applying himself and he doesn't seem to be trying to, like, hold on to a job. It just seems like multiple times 
they're not giving us a lot of reasons to support him, especially earlier in the film, um, which I found to be quite strange because in that type of trope, you would kind of expect that he would be a very sympathetic character and that, you know, sort of the ex-wife is being so hard on him for no reason and, you know, that sort of tropey situation. But I feel like here, he, like, has a crappy invention that he cites... He, like, ran a fake company. Like, he doesn't really have, seem to have a lot going for him. I'm sorry, just to say, I don't know if that's harsh, but it just yeah. struck me as strange. Yeah, at least one of uh, one of his skills could have come in hand. They kind of just all kind of fall flat in the first act. And that I, the first act is, a you know, at least a good 30 minutes, and you're watching this going, I don't see how any kid could be entertained by, like, divorce humor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you raised a very good point, and I kept wondering throughout the movie, and it never really clicked. I'm like, was Ben Stiller the best choice for this movie? Because whoever was the lead, whether, like, if this was Jim Carrey, it'd be a Jim Carrey vehicle. If this was Will Ferrell, it'd be a Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. Jack Black, any other comedic, uh, comedic actor. Was Ben Stiller the best choice for this role? And... I'm I think the fact that I was asking this question throughout the entire movie in, he he got light chuckles out of me. I think that's he got some light chuckles. Well, he's doing his Ben Stiller thing that he would do for example <laughs> meet the meet the parents yeah. and and those kind of movies. Anytime he's the straight man, he does this thing. For example, going back to the monkey thing when he's mocking the monkey oh you poor little monkey do 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 and he, he that goes on for like thing. way too long uh, he they does that cut stick. so much this should have been an hour and a half right he does that stick in some of his other comedies and you're right i'm trying to think what other actor would you have because this was a time again during these comedies where whoever you cast it's their movie whoever the lead is you couldn't really get a guy who would be like a blank slate sort of character uh, whether it be like you said, Jim Carrey or a Will Ferrell or something, this should have been uh, a buddy cop or, or a buddy comedy. Only in the fact that I love seeing Robin Williams, but I thought, and granted, he was restrained. He was Teddy Roosevelt, and I thought he did a pretty good job. But I'm like going to just pitch my version of Night at the Museum. It should have been one night. Ben Stiller's the new guy. You can have him be divorced. I don't really care. Just give him something. But he should have been partnered with Robin Williams, who's kind of training him as he's leaving. I don't know. He just needed a partner in this. And I, Robin right. Williams yeah. would have been perfect. Some, I guess you're right. It's more like nights at the museum. It's yeah. not just one night. Uh, and you know what, too? Because this whole snapper thing that they bring up throughout the whole movie, he vented the that? snapper. <laughs> <laughs> the, the clapper had been around for years yes. prior to this movie. That's the on snapper. the set improv. Right, I don't know. That was that that was a joke that didn't work, and they did it a lot. But he, uh, what if he was, yeah, like a failed inventor, and he uses his inventiveness to like handle the obstacles of the museum? That could play into it because almost it was like to me, this guy had no past prior to this movie. He had the snapper, but besides that, He's I'm like, like what 40. have you been, yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing with your whole yeah. life that you have no experience at all, except the fact that you're divorced and you had a kid. And also, randomly enough, your ex-wife is dating Paul Rudd in one scene. <laughs> I was like, Paul Rudd's in this? <laughs> yeah, for like a half second. <laughs> He's a stockbroker or something. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that that could have played more into it if they had any more interest in the characters. But it just goes to show that they had more interest in special the effects. Spectacle. Right, exactly. And I, a funny criticism i kept reading a lot from the critics was there's just a lot of uh ben stiller running around <laughs> he just <laughs> is constantly so just true. running through hallways well, it and just, uh it, yeah yeah i just i just felt like watching it there were just so many the the i did not like the writing like the composition of the film i felt was bad because you have the fact that the only exciting part is that sort of every time he thinks he's safe something bad happens so it that gets old almost immediately for me just because you know again it's like oh the t-rex came alive or whatever dinosaur that is sorry um you know comes alive and that's so scary and then he fixes it and you're like nailed it and then three minutes later it's these other figures then it's these other you know he like never quite figures it out and then also the plot of the dick van dyke evil villain old men 
falls super flat for me too because they don't ever really explain it. It's not written well. It's like, it, well, it gives us youth ish, but like which they came out of nowhere, visibly younger. To what degree? <laughs> which came <laughs> out of nowhere? I yeah, I, I like. Like woke up while awake watching this. I'm like, wait a minute, Dick Van Dyke's doing karate moves and th- this unexplained. Like, oh yeah, it gave us, you know, it gave us youth. And I feel like they just let Mickey Rooney one run wild in this movie. Like, I don't think they yeah, gave him was... a script. Uh, I think he was genuinely angry on set, and he just was constantly taking it out on Ben Stiller. And they were just capturing sincere moments of fury from this little old man. Because uh, he was not, it wasn't like, oh, he's a funny, angry old man. No. He's like an unpleasant like, person. It, it could have been done. Some choices. It could have been done really clever. Because I, you know, it was very like Bill Cobbs, uh, Mickey Rooney, and Dick Van Dyke. It was kind of, it's like seeing like Betty White and Carol Burnett and like stuff like that. They're being honored as icons. Make them cat burglars. Make them cat, like, you know, you can have them in the beginning going like, Hey, this this thing, how like how much does that go for? And you know, Ben Siller goes like, I don't know, probably a lot of money. And yeah, no, it's just they don't they the the heel turn of it was just. I mean, that's the point. The sudden like, oh, you're bad guys now, but it just didn't like. Why help him to begin with? Right. And I guess they wanted to hire him as a stooge. So they could. He mentioned something about how they planted evidence at Ben Stiller's house or something to make it look like he stole the artifact. But uh, like, how did they do that? I feel like it would have been more interesting just to not even explain why things come to life in this museum. Just have the magical element. You're just one night. Ben Stiller and one other character are stuck in this museum for whatever reason. Yeah. And things just come to life and that's it. You don't even need a reason. There's just it's just a magical evening of things coming to life and to leave it to your own devices to speculate why. That would be like an interesting like mystery of the museum. But yeah. the whole like Almond Ra thing That'd be great. Like... Well, I mean, yeah. It I think that it just is um well, first of all, AMH doesn't even have an Egyptian wing, so that was annoying to me. Um, <laughs> um, like, it's not there. So people are like, where's the mummy? And I was like, not here. It's not here. Um, yeah, so I think it's just, I totally agree. I think that would have been such a much more fun movie. And it also, I mean, I feel like the, the pro of it to me was the side characters, not the Dick Van Dyke people, but like Owen Wilson was really fun. Yes. Robin Williams was really fun. You know, that like so I feel like that could have been such a fun sort of romp through various comedians that they could have cast as different, you know, museum dioramas and things like that. That would have been, I don't know, much more fun, I think. Yeah, did it, it didn't I need a bad guy. It. Like it just needed no. like uh or maybe like it's there needed to be some conflict, but it was just they didn't use all the side characters that well either. Like Sacagawea just kind of pops up at the end, going like, "All right." The whole movie, she's but, like, "I can't hear." Like you. at least let I her can't let her you. go before. She seems like an interesting character. And Rami Malek, this was his first. I enjoy Rami Malek. Yeah. This was his first uh, featured debut. All he was was a translator. Like I was expecting, right, like right. at least give him some Day Ex Machina type. Or wait, I. The amulet, how did they really kind of screenwriter, like, how do we get everyone back inside? Well, the amulet talks to everybody. I. <laughs> Duh. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I was like, why did they turn to dust? I'm okay with that. Back? Like, shouldn't they just, shouldn't they just like stay, like turn back into, you know, still whatever I'm they are stupidly okay with that just because it needed some level of stakes. Some stakes, and you see, like the one guy turned to dust. But uh, I don't know that that was kind of freaky to me too. I mean, the Rami Malek character, I was kind of freaked out too. He's stuck in this sarcophagus. He comes to life every night, and he's just stuck, buried in this sarcophagus, <laughs> right. and no one's letting him out. Robin Williams is like, "You're not getting Stay out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why? Let everyone the else, out. everyone else is let out. I mean, I found myself asking." very existential questions while watching this film related to so like at one point the teddy roosevelt character says well i'm not even teddy i just was made in a factory in connecticut so then i'm starting to go like okay wait so he's just a statue that comes to life as teddy roosevelt but is admitting that he is not actually the ghost of teddy roosevelt and then additionally 
what does that mean for the rest of the characters? You like, are a toy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he the only, he, he's the only one who seems to know that he's not the real guy. Right. He, at, but how did he come to learn that? I'm curious. Maybe they explore that in the sequels, which I never saw. Never saw. Never will. <laughs> no, 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 I no, no. But kind of saw the the sequel. Um, just And once again, that was an on-demand. I think I was home for like winter break. And of course, we have to go to the bigger museum. And I think Ben, they dropped that uh, Carla Gugino. They're, they they didn't know what to do with her in this movie either. Uh, but they added, I think he falls in love with uh, Amelia Earhart, played by Amy. And, and the bad guys just become bigger mummies. Like it becomes Hank Azaria. And then I was reading in the th- trilogy. These all have diminishing returns, by the way. <laughs> um, oh, of course. Uh, ben Kingsley plays their father. I mean, it just... It, it. This could have been a Back to the Future. And granted, I don't want to compare it to Back to the Future, but it could have been a really classic special movie. Or like, yeah, I mean, if you had, for example, just more interesting characters. So what really sells Back to the Future besides the interesting scenario... Like, how great the characters are, yes. Doc and Marty McFly. Like, there's such an investment in these characters because they're so fleshed out. And Ben Stiller is just Ben Stiller. I mean, it would have been even special, too, if, say, you know, we do this, like, just one night at the museum scenario. It's him and his son. They get help from Teddy Roosevelt. And just each sequence is like, okay, now we have to deal with the animals. And that's just this part of the movie. Then you move on, uh, you know, to, like, the other characters. Because, like, even Owen Wilson, I feel like... Yeah, he's kind of funny, but he's just basically Owen Wilson. Like, his funniest moment is when he just first appears, and it's like, oh, it's Owen Wilson uh, in this movie now. And then you had the other guy, Steve Coogan. Uh, Steve Coogan he was great. I thought they just, were the stars. Uh, he's funny, but he's also just doing his Steve Coogan thing. Like, you know, we are hearts are large, metaphorically speaking. It's like, all right, Steve Coogan. Ricky like, Gervais know, is Ricky know. Gervais. Like, I, like, no one. Yeah. I read that. It was uh, a huge miss for me. Ricky Gervais was not funny. I agree. I feel like he made up his lines on the spot based on, I don't know. It just was so, it felt so flat. It was disappointing. I thought he could feel that it was flat. I saw, I got <laughs> like from the body language, Ricky Gervais, like, this isn't working, but they're not telling me to do anything different. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing this stupid thing. Ha ha, Mr. Funny Man. I was like, you know, he's normally hilarious, but not in this. I call this yeah. like, this movie probably suffers and I, I'm not like attacking the specific movie, but like I think of when I watch the behind the scenes of the 2016 Ghostbusters, it's uh, okay. We just improved all day on set, and I think you need to rein it in on. You need to actually direct and tell comedians like follow this. It's not every movie comedy movie can be a curb your enthusiasm episode where they're just winging it and hoping that it'll be funny. Uh, I don't know. Like you could totally see, what like with the with the monkey bit. Oh, I got your keys, baby monkey. Like so, the second act dragged, and it should have been the yeah. fun. Yeah. It should have been fun. Dum dum. Yes. You give me gum gum. I give you gum gum. You do dum dum. You give me gum gum. Gee, ah, uh, okay. I'm. You know what? I have no gum gum. Sorry. And my name isn't Dum Dum. My name's Larry. No. Your name, Dum Dum. Oh, you in trouble, Dum Dum. You better run, run from Attila the Hun Hun. The whole, the whole reveal of the old men, and then they have to chase them, and they're all out in the snow. I was like so bored. I like, why is this boring? This should be interesting. And there is like some sense of them trying to pay off, like, oh, learn your history, and then that's how you will like succeed in life because that's how he knew to stop the horse i suppose but that was also kind of a half-baked idea right i mean i appreciate that sentiment like yes history is good we should learn our history but they don't they do not nothing is fleshed out in this entire it just feels like you know you see him like googling a couple things but you don't yeah that was an amazing montage of him sort of like going on the internet um to like look up History, um, yeah, <laughs> which I is think fine. That, if it's an amazing it, thing, but learning plus, history, but wow! As you said, such a two thousands, such a two thousands thing though to like just have a montage cool of people <laughs> looking things up on the internet. Not the first movie to do it. 
which, but thankfully we don't get that anymore. Which I'm okay with to an extent, but as both of you said, this character came out of nowhere. He thought Teddy Roosevelt was our fourth president. He is he just basically came out of a lab, got divorced, fourth president, and, and fourth. is learning how to be a human. <laughs> like, and he's an inventor. Like, this is what happens if Stu Pickles became a real life character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man, that's actually really funny because he is. Yeah, he's like just as dumb. Yeah, but I was like fourth president. Like, you it's know, even... he, I, it's not even close. Like, come on. I, I mean, I I get a sense that um, he's not supposed to be like a flat out stupid character. Like, he does figure some things out. You know, um, geez, I don't really know. I just crazy because I do remember liking this when I was younger, and I guess I fell for all those things. My my parents liked this movie. So much so that they actually do own a little Easter Island head garden decoration that they call Dum Dum. I think they were happy because you were happy. I like I (laughs) no, I I really I one thing that like anyone who liked this movie can say is like I like this as a kid. And I remember uh, during our Sonic the Hedgehog episode, I said this is a movie that kids watch when they're younger and it doesn't fall back with like they go like oh yeah it was bad then but i liked it uh i think this does kind of stick with you going like yeah i had good fond memories watching this movie but you know it holds up though your point because we did buy the dvd i believe because that's just what you did back then like you you like something in the theater you just buy the dvd when it comes out you add it to your collection because that's a wise investment as time will show but like, I don't think we ever watched it again. It just sat on the shelf the whole time just to show people, oh, yeah, we saw this and we liked it, but we never – it was never a go back. So that's – to me, like I, I always say time is the best test of you know a movie holding up, and this, this one didn't. just goes to show you liked it at the time, like in that moment in the movie theater because uh, it was just something to see, right? And to me, this was like a yeah. classic suburban night out <laughs> with the family. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, you know, this is it it marketed it as everything you would want to to be as a movie you would take your kids out to. It's safe. Right. It's there's a need for there's a need for these movies. Right. Right. I agree. Because you don't really get these kind of movies anymore, good or bad. These sort of more, you know, one idea you play off of kind of comedy movies. um, Right. Because everything you see now as we've said before, is like, you know, the big movies. You know, you don't get these, like, kind of mid-level movies anymore, which is too bad. Not that I want Night at the Museum again, but, like, a better version of that, a Back to the Future, if you will, a good inventive movie for families. Yeah, uh, well, you it, know, just, it just seems... Oh, sorry, JJ, should I not cut you off? No, 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 no. by all means, cut me off. <laughs> well, it just seems like to me, because I, again, like, having worked at the museum this is based on, there is this sort of beautiful type of whimsy that comes with an institution like that when it is something that you have visited as a kid probably on a school field trip if you live in the tri-state area I know that I did you have seen it as a small child it was so cool when you were five those dinosaurs were so big and you know so a lot of people in my time you know would come back as adults you know I would host donors or whoever and people would say well man I haven't been here since I was 10 and wow, it's it looks the same, and wow, how cool. And so there, it was kind of sad to me. This movie thought it was playing into that, I think, this sort of magical um, memory, you know, like sense memory of being with these huge skeletons and things like that. And it just, it just didn't do it justice. And I feel like it was, it's such a shame yeah. because there is that very much it is tied to memory and tied to the experiences you had as a kid, you know, and I just feel like this, this really didn't do it justice and it could have, and it didn't. I agree. Cause I, I did, I think I went to this museum when I was like in second grade, we had our mm-hmm. trip here. I mean, if anything, you know, I think they want to immediately pay off the dinosaur thing. Cause that's what kids like most about this mm-hmm. museum is, is mm-hmm. the dinosaur. That's why you have the T-Rex right there. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole hole of dinosaurs. You know, oh. you have more than just the T-Rex. So oh, you could floor. have a scene where he's in this, <laughs> Yeah, he's in that he's in that top floor full of the dinosaurs and they all come to life. Like that could have been interesting. It's like Jurassic Park all over again and he's like avoiding all these dinosaurs. That could have been interesting. Um again, kind of half baked idea there. And then you know, you mentioned the Egyptian hall. I think that's kind of like they took pieces of the Met and stuck them in there too. Yeah. Right? There's not a mummy, but there's an Egyptian section. Right. Yeah. Um But I agree. I mean, I guess if it made people more interested in the museum 
that's a plus. It did. I really like that museum too. It did. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah. It it's, did. Unf- yeah. it's unfortunate if people are asking like, where the, you know, where's the old West diorama? <laughs> like, not here. <laughs> not here. Yeah, I did. I Sorry. did uh, pop over to the AMNH website before we got on the phone just to confirm that what I'm about <laughs> to say is true. But they do. So right now, I mean, because of COVID, there's not in-person tours, but they always had a night at the museum tour. And it's just very funny to me because right now it's self-guided. So they basically just list out the exhibits and they do not use the character names in the film. Like it literally says Easter Island head hall of hall of primates, you know, where Dexter is like they don't really reference the characters because it's such a science based institution. I they would never like acknowledge no. that those are the names. But it is just very funny to me that they do acknowledge that people do come and ask. So they have to cater to that in some way. But you will learn something. You will not yeah, just be able you will to go learn look at, more. Right. If, you will not be able to just got, go look at Dum Dum and get a little plaque no, that says Dum Dum. Well, you know what, too? There's also like a really cool room full of um, like insects and, and bugs and stuff. That could have been a cool thing, too. He goes in there and encounters those, mm-hmm. which might have you know, freaked me out as a viewer. But again, like another interesting idea in the actual museum. You don't have to invent a new museum for things to come to life, too. There's plenty there. Um, so that's. That's kind of too bad. I get. I don't know if they've ever actually been to this museum. Then now that I think about it, the more uh, you know, these like these writers. If, if Ben Stiller's character turned said to somebody like, "I can't," it, what you just said, Maddie, like, "Oh, I, the last time I I was here, I was 10. I feel like that would have been such a great theme of the movie. That uh, I, we're imagining a see, and we talked about this on other uh, episodes. It's just like. We're going in with expectations, but my expectations happened as I was watching this. I'm like, oh, if they did this, uh, like, because it just kept falling flat. And part of me is still going like, I'm an adult. I'm judging a kid's movie, but it is a family movie that I, it's like, it's cute, which doesn't like, it's cute enough. And that's all I could give it. I don't know what grade that is. At the, uh, but it's content to be good enough. Yeah, right? that's that's frustrating. It knows it could be more. I, I get a sense that they 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 are just like, no, this is fine. This is all we need to make because it made a lot of money, right? This was. I'm like, not surprised. I think you posted yeah. Keith. This was like the in the in the notes. It's like the the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah. You know, it made like half a a billion dollars. So it it was like you know something everyone saw, and I think people. Even if they haven't gone back to this movie as much, I think people still remember this movie. If you mention that at the museum, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think you have vague memories of this idea. I think you, like, because that's what I did. I'm like, I remember the monkey. I remember Robin Williams as uh, as Teddy Roosevelt. And then I forgot the interactions. And I'm like, oh, this movie should have been an hour and a half. That's all the movie. That's all it that's all it is. I mean, that's the thing. It's it is a vague idea. Even the parts of the plot that are fleshed out are not they're not. I mean, yes. Yeah. So I, I feel like that is all you remember, because those are the only parts that are at least fun, because there's not much else. If you take that away, if you take away, you know, Robin Williams is Teddy Roosevelt and you take away Dexter and you take away Owen Wilson. You just have Ben Stiller. Yeah. Just like being Ben Stiller, which is not very interesting. Right, him like reacting to the dinosaur, then the Mongolians, and then to you know the the dum dum thing. It's you're right. It's like just one thing after another that he encounters in like no particular order. One bit of research that I did, or and this isn't like I uncovered it. It, I this was based on a book. <laughs> this was based like on, on a yeah okay. I, Maddie, judging by the look in your face, this is a surprise to some people. But this uh, what book. Night at the museum. It was an. It was look. It's only a pamphlet. It, it is thirty six pages. That was like a trick question. <laughs> what book is this based well, on? No, Night because the there is there is a book called Dinosaurs in the Attic, which is about AM and H. That anyway. So I was just curious. But, if it was uh, that book. But oh, no, it's okay. A I mean, I'm okay, sure if you go to your youth <laughs> section of the library, there is a whole kids stuck in <laughs> museums for the night genre but this is <laughs> this is only uh 36 pages and it's night at the museum and it's not you know these the the reno 911 guys kind of i think took the basic like okay not someone's stuck in the museum for the night what do we do how do we do it uh why are they like you know amulet makes sense let's go 
Uh, and I think Ben Stiller, when he was attached, you know, he was riding a high in the 2000s. We've talked about that before. And I read that he was responsible for getting a lot of like, I bet like, hey, Paul Rudd, what are you doing Monday and Tuesday? Can you come like stop being the sexiest so man alive? Like, come on over. Uh, hey, Ricky, like, I bet he just yeah, Owen Wilson, of course, uh, he just brought friends over and say, you know, just be yourself. This is going to be a fun set. And it probably was a fun set, but that necessarily does not equate to a fun movie. No, I, that, I mean, I've seen that in other bad comedies, right? You can tell the actors are having fun, but mm. that does not translate into the audience yeah. having fun. Uh, yeah, because like Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller were like best buds in so many movies. Uh, so I was not surprised that he turned up in this. I mean, I think I saw from the trailer he would be anyway. But then I think it's the biggest waste of potential is just Robin Williams because it as Teddy Roosevelt, yes. that is like perfect casting. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably also what sticks out to most people when they think of this movie is him as Teddy Roosevelt because like that's all you could want, right? That's enough. That's enough of a selling point to want to see this and kind of make make, make people think they saw a classic because he <laughs> yeah. was in there. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure. That yeah. was like a great comedy fantasy because he was in there and he was doing his thing and he I think he he was funny at times. Uh, he was probably like the highlight in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's it just it's just funny because I really thought I would go into this revisit liking it, but then it's like, well, hold on a second, why haven't I revisited this in fifteen years? <laughs> there's, right. there's probably a reason why that is. Uh, so that's, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but it's just one of those funny things where, you know, some things are maybe just best left in the past, appropriately enough. <laughs> in 2006, this is a tomato. <laughs> right, right. Um, but even so, I think even looking at it, if, if we watched, if we, if we were our age now and it's 2006 and we watch it, I feel like we'd have the reactions we would have now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just because we'd be more privy to like, hey, wait a second, like what? Like, there's so many hokey things going on here, and uh, you know, seeing how it would be like so outdated, you know, and and kind of like it's it's weird because it's doing things with like CGI and stuff that would look really bad if it was released in say the '90s. It would not age very well because I think I don't. I guess the effects age fine. I'm not like looking at these effects and saying like, "Wow, this is outdated." It looks fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're using tropes that would only work during that time. I just like it's just like I, I keep going back to like the monkey thing because it makes me think of really stupid movies like Dunstan checks in or something like that, Most Valuable Primate or something like why like why was there such a demand for monkeys peeing on people? That was such a thing audience loved to see. Step aside, Giganto. We got us a railroad to build. We're blowing a hole in that thing. Okay, first of all, enough with the Gigantor giant stuff, okay? I'm just trying to close up shop. We're going to blow it anyway. End of three. Yeah, poof. Wow. What are you doing? What's it look like we're doing? It's manifest destiny. You can't fight it, neither can I. Go! More dynamite. Yeah, all use right. it all. Okay. Woo! Listen, Octavus... You gotta stop that. It's Octavius, Mary. One thing I was just kind of, I had like this moment to myself. It's just, it was hard not to compare it to, once I found out it was a book, it was hard not to compare it to Jumanji. Like, it, like, it, yeah. It, I saw that comparison ba- in a lot of critics. Based notes. on a book, uh, you know, made into an original idea enough. You got Robin Williams as the vehicle. Uh, Made in the 90s, so, mo- uh, you know, less CGI and more practical effects. But I found out that uh, oh. Jumanji is kind of divided film. It kind of it's more 50, 60. It is. And I was just having this like, no, this is good. This is like when I saw this and any time that I've rewatched it, I'm having fun. Uh, I thought the memes make I thought make, all the memes made it a classic to people. But uh, apparently that's. Maybe what I'm trying to say is like uh, maybe my young self would or young people who saw this are going to have this same effect. It's just like, oh, no, I thought people really enjoyed this movie as they grow older. Right. You know what you just made me think, though, because you mentioned there's there was more practical effects. 
if this was then maybe made in the 90s with more practical effects, yeah. then you really could have had something. Then you might really had some real movie magic and seen some actual inventiveness, even if the story was still uh, uh, writing some cliches, you probably would have seen i don't know you probably would have captured the the magic of those other kind of movies it probably would have been tim allen effects it probably would have been tim. <laughs> sure, I, yeah. I was actually thinking of the it has that santa would be claus santa claus vibes it's like the dad who's kind of a failure vibes which is also in the movie the santa claus um and also the it, it weirdly i related at the end my brain took the t-rex prince in the snow and went to Santa might have been here, but we don't know. It was nighttime. Like it was sort of that same mystical wonder thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like you know, at, <laughs> at the end of you know, or at the end of Elf, when it's like, I yes, guess we'll never yes, know yes. what happened a Christmas Eve in New York City. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has there ever been a movie where the mom is a f- kind of a failure? A comedy movie? Great question. <laughs> Like yeah, has Melissa McCarthy ever faltered? Has like has Melissa like that, when she's not playing a white trash character? Has she ever been like, oh, I I should have been there for my daughter's science fair pro? Has she is she ever on the phone? I was too busy with work, and I couldn't make it to your baseball game. I'm so sorry. But from Melissa McCarthy or some other Kristen Wiig or some some female comedian's perspective. But yeah, it's always yeah, the that's bad never dad. Been done. It's always the bad dad. Well, but there are there are like mm-hmm. there's there's bad dads in the way that often they are unemployed or they're bad in sort of a traditional They're man childs. Yeah. I guess if you could Yes, exactly. And then I feel like when there's a bad woman, she's working. <laughs> and that's bad because that's good point. she's away from her family. Good, no, good I'm serious. Point. I mean, there's so there's so many movies where the the mom is working and you know, she's late for dinner and and it's just it's terrible. It's a ter- it drives me crazy. Mr. Mom and it. she's terrible. not even the main character. She has to like I have to work and Michael Keaton gets right. to be the stay at home yes. man child. And he's like, Isn't this so stressful? Wow. I would argue like even in Mrs. Doubtfire, Sally Field is sort of like, I'm mean because you're not oh, you know, like I feel like we come such a long way and then not enough. <laughs> Right. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Those, those liberal gender... Hollywood, my ass. <laughs> yeah. Those liberal. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I think it's interesting how those gender tropes change as time yeah. passes. It's very yeah, interesting. I totally agree. Because then you also had the thing, because on all these 90s movies with the bad dads, a lot of times it's like they're workaholics, right? And <clears throat> it's like, oh, yeah, because the dad... We're just used to being the dad, the one who's laser focused at work, but you're still going to like him because it's a comedic actor, right? So it's fine that he's a workaholic. He just has to work on that a little bit. It's like more forgivable for some stupid reason. God, Hollywood. (laughs) Elf is the same. James Caan. Yeah. Yeah. Tina Fey would have been a good, like, like, I don't know, like, yes. Oh, okay. This is interesting. This is basically Not Liz Lemon. Okay, yeah. it, oh, she would have been great in this movie. Her and like Robin Williams playing off of one another. I don't know. And this was like right she before would have had a lot more date funny night. Things to say. And she worked with Sean Levy before. on the board of AM&H, just saying. Oh, God. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She worked with Sean Levy before really... in Date Night. So they have a working relationship. Oh, that that would have really so been good. something. Because this is so the good. same year that uh, 30 Rock premieres, 2006. Oh, uh, that really could have been something. Oh, that really could now, have it, been something. And I'm it's not shitting on I've, Ben I've Stiller. Seen... Like he has had amazing comedic performances. I don't want to take that away from him. Right, but if you want something fresh, right? If you wanted something fresh yeah. and something that could stand out, you turn that cliche on its head. You know, um, gender bend it, and uh, yeah, Tina Fey. I think was a fresher comedic voice at the yes. time, and could have given us something uh, that would have stuck with us longer. Funny enough, I did see that they are doing a new night at the museum for Disney Plus. What? And I, I, they're I, national I think it's be like a new uh, thing. treasuring like, it. Like these, they are. These, uh, yeah. these diminishing, like maybe the movie, the first movie made a lot of money. Diminishing sequels. Where do we go, baby? Disney Plus. It's sad to say, but I would take if you take night at the museum and national treasure i would rather watch national treasure because as bonkers and inaccurate as that movie is 
it's at least fun the whole time. It doesn't lose energy. This this I found myself um, like sometimes I didn't want to totally pay attention to this towards the end. I was like just like wrap it up here, you know, which is always a bad sign. But I didn't feel that way when I first saw this. I I don't know. I think the music tricked me into thinking it was exciting when it really wasn't. <laughs> let Dick Van Dyke rest. Don't let him be in this Disney Plus sequel. Let him be a retired old icon. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so, so old. No, but uh, hey. He has to be like in his 90s by I now. I bet he did this for his grandkids. I I. I mean, he's a comic legend. Yes, and he and he's earned there, that you know, spot. A bit problematic, Let's get but Bob comic Newhart. legend. Make him be the bad guy. <laughs> Bob Newhart, yeah. yeah, yeah he could be like guy. the curator of the museum oh, or something. Sucks. Yeah, why even have him be like the security guard? Why would the museum have three old guys as their security guards? Well, and also the very idea that there is just one person in the museum at night is ridiculous. One guy. I mean, that's ridiculous. Also, I mean, this is the I work in the development industry fundraising. So there's always an event. There's always like a gala. So, you know, I'm just saying the fact that they didn't come across that ever i mean there's not an event every night but the fact that there wasn't something going on in the hall of ocean life ridiculous (laughs) i just thought of i just thought of two (laughs) ways to make this movie a whole lot better i'm i i'm okay with the idea of having comedy icons but replace replace ricky gervais with bob newhart replace Cara gugino with like betty white or or carol but get make all the icons and make it like i don't know get all the icons make uh mel brooks uh like just get all these old comedic oh, icons would have been so and also robin williams yeah. it, we may lose him as teddy roosevelt but make him the one that was that was training tina fey and he knows all this history he's like i always wanted to be a, a tour guide but they're firing me and then you know at the end he you know he, he gets to lead the the now packed museum he's like this is your first go 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 and he just robin williams it mm. oh my god this is art hollywood what could have been? Yeah, what could have been? I don't know what their plans are for the new one. I have, I have literally yeah, no museum? idea. Yeah, right. Are they going to go back to the Natural History Museum, or are they just going to invent a new one? I, I don't know. Yeah, but, they went uh, to all we the shall, museums I mean, they're, they're, already, or all the big ones. <laughs> all the big ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they, do they go to, like, the Smithsonian in yeah. one of the sequels? Yeah, there. I don't know where they the, go in the third one. An England one. I figured. An, an English one. <laughs> Oh, England, the, England. Oh, the Museum of England. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, they're remaking all the things. They're doing National Treasure. They just mm-hmm. remade, uh, or they just made a new Home Alone. Hocus Nothing Pocus. is sacred. Hocus Are we Pocus. stagnating as a Another society? Movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> the answer is definitely. <laughs> you, come on. It's a shame. Well, on one end, you would think we have all these streaming services, so create a bunch of new content because the risk reward, like there's. Right, there's so much lower risk. You can just, you know, put things out there, and someone will watch it. Uh, you don't have to worry about the box office as much. But no, we have to get like just remakes of things that no one's gonna prefer over the originals. But you know, the powers that be have decided for oh, us. Oh wow! I suppose so. This is what we're <laughs> stuck with. Any goodwill I had for this movie has been completely oh, squashed. Well. <laughs> I went into this movie going like, I kind of agree with the audience. Like, I think if you watched it. You're gonna. It's like being on a roller coaster. You're having a fun time on the roller coaster, and then I watched it going like, "Oh, this is like one of those roller coasters that was made in the '90s and probably should have been torn down." Uh, I don't. I like. There was so much. You had a great idea, really a, a half a billion dollars worth yeah. idea, and it just kept tripping yeah. out of the gate. Ugh. I know. I didn't. They they took a great idea and didn't take any chances. Exactly. I never did any of those things. Teddy Roosevelt did. I was made in a mannequin factory in Poughkeepsie. I never shot a wild beast. I'm not even brave enough to tell that beautiful woman I love her. But you, you got to finish the job this time. You can't quit. You made of wax, Larry. What are you made of? All right, so... Uh, I think we can now wrap up our night at the museum review and give our final take. So start us off, Maddie. What would your percentage score be for night at the museum? This is out of a hundred, correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Typically, I percentages like... are, but you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think for me, it's a it's a sixty-five. I really was. 
I think I like you said it was such a fantastic idea that they did absolutely nothing with I think that summarizes it beautifully and so having the connection to AM and H that I do really wanted it to be better than it was so I think I'm, I'm gonna have to say 65 okay I feel that mm-hmm. uh, what about you, I think Keith? the the movie that we just created I give that an 85 but uh, <laughs> the, the non-existent movie, movie would have been exist. a classic uh, but I was actually going to give it a 65 when I I'm like that feels like 65 material. But after we talked about it, I'm going to give it a 60. I think it is. I think kids can latch onto this and grow up with like fond memories. But I I think it was exclusively made for kids five to nine. I think once you hit the 10, you start going like you start seeing you start. You can get bored by it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I probably much in line with you guys, which is funny because we're going to wind up siding with the audience, even though we were mostly critical about it. Hmm. But I guess, you know, we do see some some of the merits there. So I agree. I'm going to give it like a, like a 62. Um, so what, what's our average score? It's probably lower 60s, 62, right? which is more uh. than I think that's very appropriate for this movie yeah like just barely passing there so i officially decree that on night at the museum we are setting with the audience but yeah, just yeah, barely they, they got off lucky this time <laughs> <laughs> not, not so much with the sequels there pushing their luck um but you know it uh, the would be for some people it is a classic some you know so enjoy that for everyone who who remembers and likes to go back to it you know, I, I wish it was. I wish it was worthy of that for me. Um, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of other great holiday movies out there. I'm sure we're all going to enjoy. Is this a holiday and movie? And go back to as. There's yeah, snow. Like... That does not count. Yeah. That does not count. <laughs> <laughs> I well, agree. Why... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider this I didn't a see one Christmas person. tree. I wouldn't consider it a holiday. <laughs> it was, no. It was released, I think, again, around the holidays. That's why I think it's a would-be thanksgiving type movie it's like late fall it starts to snow it's that time of year so uh, uh december 6th thanksgiving like parade december 17th I mean, thanksgiving parade starts <laughs> thanksgiving what parade starts at am and h like the the macy's oh. parade starts at so i don't know i suppose if you relate thanksgiving to the parade to the museum you could get there <laughs> there's yeah there's there's like a few degrees of separation yeah. there I think yeah. december work. 17th is the 2000 like on the cusp of 2007 but it was a christmas movie mm. okay interesting okay. no points oh, for christmas i didn't get any christmas vibe from that <laughs> i agree none nah, die nah, hard nah. is a better christmas movie than this movie <laughs> oh yeah i mean in most christmas movies <laughs> absolutely all right well uh thanks yes, maddie thank a lot you. for joining us again Oh, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was great having you. And uh, I hope everyone starts to enjoy the holiday season. This is when we will release this at the beginning of, uh, of December. So, um, you know, everyone get in the holiday spirit and look out for more Divided Films soon. Thanks a lot. Bye.